my name is Caleb. If we haven't met before, I would love to say hello to you. Uh, we are in a series called Connecting with God, and we've been walking through several different ways that we can actually engage with God in our lives, in kind of the daily rhythms of our life, as well as just as a whole in your life when you think, man, I want to grow closer to God. I want my faith to deepen. I want help in my life with God. So we, we've been walking through really ancient practices that the church has done and, and been a part of for thousands of years, whether that's prayer or fasting or, and, uh, and different um, uh, Sabbath, different ways that the church has said, we want our life to actually be connected to God. You could call these spiritual disciplines or, or other words for this, but really they're practices that we have in our lives where we are actually being able to engage with God. So I'm going to pray for us and then we will start in our time together today. Father, I, I pray that you now would open our hearts and our minds, that you would help us to listen to you. You would help us to hear your voice and that you would speak. We need you. Uh, we, we want you. We want our hearts and our minds and our lives to be shaped by you. And so we ask that you would do that today, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Well, we're going to go for about three hours today because you all got an extra hour of sleep. So... Um, not really, but uh, we, we all uh, want to be able to face the difficulty in our lives. We want to be able to face the difficulty in our lives and actually mature through it. I mean, you've got all sorts of different hard things that are happening in your life probably now or, or maybe will come tomorrow or happen this week. And some of that stuff is probably really big stuff, but some of it is just the challenges of life. Maybe you had uh, a plan that you had made and then that kind of gets thrown off. Maybe you've got problems with your kids and, you know, our kids were sick for like feels like three years. I think they were like sick for a few different weeks and pneumonia and all these. And it's just like, man, that's kind of throwing off everything in our life that we're now, you know, organized around clinics and, and medicine. And that's kind of our life right now. Or maybe you've got stuff in your marriage or you've got stuff at work or challenging people. I mean, all, all sorts of different things. And we want to be able to face that difficulty. We want to be able to face that difficulty and actually mature through it and actually in the moment not have that totally just affect us and throw us off in a negative way. Whatever happens to you tomorrow when you show up to work or, or, or you uh, are just kind of, maybe you're sitting in your pajamas, whatever it is, and your internet connection's not working well, and you're like, dang it, I had a day off, and now everything's not working. Whatever happens to you, when that happens, you want to actually be able to just move through it. You don't want the bad stuff that happens, the hard stuff that happens. You don't want that to totally throw you off. And when that's consistent in your life, you want to actually have the hard stuff be a tool that you actually grow in versus you become a worse person through it. So this is what we want to be able to do, but it's not easy. It's challenging. It's hard to be able to face the difficulty of life and grow through it or not be thrown off it. That, that's a difficult thing to do, but if we can do that, if we can actually face the difficulty in our life and grow through it and mature through it and, and move forward in it, if we can do that, I mean, imagine, imagine the power that that gives you to be able to have, that your life's not going to be easy. Stuff's going to happen tomorrow. Stuff's going to be challenging tomorrow. You're going to be tempted in various ways tomorrow. But if you just knew how, man, I, I can get through this. I can actually be stronger through this. And this doesn't have to throw me totally off. If we have the tools to be able to do that, man, that, that makes a huge difference in our lives. It makes a huge difference. And so how, how, do we, how do we do that? How can we actually face the difficulty in life and grow and not be thrown off? And, and one of the words that we will use that the Bible talks about around this is, is repentance. And repentance is being able to face your, or, or even 
Uh, well, okay, so repentance is being able to face whatever sins are coming your way and turn away from those and to God. And we'll talk more in depth about this, but that is what we are going to talk about. One of the ways that we engage with God, one of the practices that we need to be able to know how to do is to face the hard stuff in our lives, and rather than that shaping us in a negative way, it actually changes and shapes us in a positive way. Now, as we talk about this, here's what I want you to do, okay? Well, this is going to be a very, this is going to be a workshop, okay? So this is going to be very practical in the sense that I, I want you to actually think about what's going on in your life right now. I want you to think about the, the worst sins you've ever done and shout those out. No, I'm just kidding. I want, you to, <laughs> I, want you to, I want you to think about the stuff going on in your life right now. And maybe it's stuff you're, you're tempted to. So maybe, maybe you feel actually great. You're not, you're not sinning. You're not, but, you, but you're tempted to stuff. The difficult stuff that's coming at you in life, you feel tempted in certain ways. And we'll, well, I could give you a bunch of examples, but we'll, we'll get into it in a second. But I want you to think about what's actually going on in your life. Maybe it's stuff you're feeling tempted to. Maybe it's stuff right now that you're stuck in. So it's, it's, you actually feel, man, I'm stuck. I don't know how to get out of this. I have, some difficulty has come at me in life, and now I'm kind of caught in these bad patterns. I don't like who I'm becoming. I don't like how I'm responding. I don't like what I'm doing, but I don't really know how to get out of it. And maybe you're stuck in stuff. Maybe you're just tempted by stuff. Maybe you actually feel pretty good. You feel like, man, there's challenges. There's stuff coming at me, and I feel like I am responding pretty well. And you just need to be able to have a map of how do you keep going in that direction? What, what are the ways that you can actually keep going in that way? Okay, so I want you to think about your own life and the stuff that is, is for you, because we're going to walk through come, some questions to kind of help us think about, hey, when the difficult stuff comes at us, how do we actually respond well? How do we actually use it to change our lives? But it's going to be most helpful if you're able to think about, what are we actually talking about? What is it for you? Okay, and we're going to walk through seven different questions and then a model for repentance. And we're really just starting with this question, which is, which is going to be, how do we repent? And this is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time talking about, which is, how do we repent? What is the process? And, or another way you can just ask this question is, how do we face difficulty that's coming at us in life? How do we face that? And instead of responding in sin, instead of responding in ways that we don't even like, How do we actually change? How do we actually become the person we're called to be? How do we actually respond in a way that is helpful? Okay, so we're going to walk through seven different questions that are from a man named David Powelson, who is a Christian counselor and um, an author and and influential in kind of some various movements. So we're going to use kind of seven questions that he gives as well as a model that we have here at True Life. And it just starts with this. This is you, okay? That's you. You're a square, okay? And, and this is all of us. This represents our life. This is, this is what, and we'll go more in depth. I know this isn't really profound, just wait. But this, this is us, and this is our life. And in our life, we need to start with this question, which says this, and again, personalize this for yourself. What happens to you that brings pressure, temptation, trouble? I love this word, beguilement. It's not a word we use very often, but it's a good one. We need to bring it back. What what happens to you? When, where, with whom do you struggle? In other words, what's the significant context, situation, or circumstance that pushes your buttons? What's the stuff that is coming at you? And that's what this arrow represents. It's the stuff that's happening to you. Not the stuff that you're doing, not the stuff that you're responding, but just what happens to you. 
What, maybe, maybe think about work. What's the, what's the person at work that happens to you? When you see him, you can say, ah, you're the blue arrow. I knew it. That was you. Or what's the, what's the situations that are taking place in your life, the plans that are getting thrown off, the, the struggles in relationships, places where you feel misunderstood, places where maybe, maybe it's moving to Denver. Maybe it's your actual geographical location of what has happened to you, and you feel alone, or you feel out of place, or you feel like, man, you're, you're just kind of, maybe it's a, a child. You just had a baby, and the baby is the blue arrow, and the baby is coming at you, and it affects your life, right? Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's, I mean, it can be all sorts of stuff, but you think about what is it that is happening to you? So think about that, okay? I'm just going to put this question actually back up here. What happens to you? It brings pressure, temptation, trouble, beguilement. When, where, with whom do you struggle? I want you to think about that and, and have it in your head. That way we can kind of move forward together. And normally when, when we feel this, normally when the stuff is coming at us in life, normally we deal with it by either just feeling it, and we're all different, right? We all, we all have different numbers on the Enneagram or whatever kind of you know, crap you want to say or whatever, okay? And no offense to those of you that like that crap. Um, but um, I'm just joking. I'm just I'm, I'm seriously, I'm joking. I just needed a laugh, okay? Because we're talking about something serious, okay? So uh, what's the stuff that, that's coming at you, okay? I want you to think we're, we're all different stuff, and we deal with it in different ways, okay? So some of us just feel. We just feel it. Okay, so stuff is coming at you, and you, you're not even necessarily doing anything, you're, but you just feel it. Okay, some of us, the stuff that's coming at us in life, we respond by, by thinking. Okay, so what, man, this is coming at me, this is hard, what can I do about this? And we start thinking. We might, you might sit down and make lists, you might sit down and make plans and go, I've got stuff coming at me, I've got people coming at me, okay, what am I going to do? And it might help you to kind of process that by journaling or thinking or planning. Some of us like to talk to other people and go, man, I need your advice on this, I've got stuff happening, I, I need help. Some of us, maybe it's more study-oriented, we read blogs or books or go, man, I, I need kind of some expert wisdom on this. There's all sorts of different ways that we might respond. Sometimes we, we just ignore it. So stuff is coming at us in life, and we go, whoa, look at that stuff. I need to turn this way and not look at that. Sometimes we respond by trying to change it. So we've got stuff coming at us in life, and it's difficult, and we say, okay, maybe it's a difficult person at work. I need a new job, or I need a new spot in the office, or, or we've got difficult things happening with um, with our, our, our finances, and we say, I need a new job, and I, I mean, I keep just freaking out, and I'm always anxious, and, and I, we need, I need to get more money somehow. And I'm not saying we should never try to change our situation. I'm just trying to tell you, sometimes these are the different ways that we respond to the stuff that is coming at us, because it's hard. I mean, having a giant blue arrow come at you in life is hard. It's difficult. There's a lot of different things, suffering, sickness, Emotional stuff, physical stuff, people stuff, relation. I mean, it's hard, the stuff that comes at us in life. I'm not trying to in any way minimize the difficulty that comes at us in life. But instead of just feeling, instead of just planning, instead of even just trying to swat the arrow away or ignore it, what we need to do, where change begins, where repentance begins, or where maturity begins, is actually in those moments engaging with God. That's where change begins, is actually when we feel the stuff that's coming at us, instead of whatever kind of thing that we do, it's to say, I need God right now. 
I actually need him. Here's how, here's how Hebrews says it. It says, therefore, talking about Jesus, therefore, he had to be like his brothers, talking about us humans, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way. God became a human so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God, to make atonement for the sins of the people. For since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. Jesus, God, became a man, entered into this world. He became like us. There's the old song, what if God, be, what if God was one of us? The Bible says God is one of us. He became one of us. He entered into this world. And listen, Jesus felt all the temptation that you feel. Jesus felt all the pressures of life coming at him. All the different things, whether that's sin from other people, whether that's sickness, whatever it is, all the evil of this world, all the pressure of this world, all the temptation of this world came at Jesus. It came at him. And because he was tempted, because he suffered when he was tempted, he knows how to help. Isn't that a beautiful truth? God is not this distant God that, we can't, that can't relate to us, that doesn't get us. What it says is there is going to be difficulty coming at you. You are going to be tempted. But Jesus is able to help those who are tempted. Jesus is able to help you. What that means is whatever this is for you, whatever question number one, whatever the beguilement, whatever the problems, whatever's coming at you, Jesus sees it. He sees it. He sees it and he isn't like, come on, get it together. You can't handle that. That's nothing. That's not what it says. Jesus sees it. He felt it himself. And because he did, he's able to help us. So whatever it is for you that's coming at you in life, change begins. Maturity begins. Becoming a different kind of person begins. In the moment and in your life begins with engaging with God. Engaging with Jesus. And saying, I know you see this. I know you get this, and I want you, I know you want to help me. That's where it starts. What, I mean, we're going to walk through a bunch of other questions, but what if we just started with that, honestly? Like, isn't that very different from a lot of times, whatever, whatever was challenging, maybe even this morning, or whatever was challenging last week, and stuff comes at us, and we feel, and we plan, and we try to get it away, and we, whatever... What if we just said, okay, Jesus, I know you've been tempted like this too. I know you suffered with stuff coming at you, so I need your help. These are the moments in your life that are crucial. These are, I mean, it, listen, it's the little stuff often in life that is crucial to saying, okay, I'm tempted right now. I need, and, and actually then going and engaging with Jesus in those things. So before we even move on to the next questions, Here's what I want you to do, and this is where I said we're going to kind of workshop this together. I, I want you to just take, and this is not like, hey, take 10 minutes on this, but just take a handful of seconds. And whatever that, whatever that is, whatever this blue arrow is to you, whatever's coming at you, whatever's pushing your buttons, whatever's getting at you, whatever the areas that you already know, yep, I'm sinning in those things, or it's just tempting because it's hard. Whatever that is, even just now say, okay, Jesus, I need your help. You say that, that you that you are able to help me. So I just want you to say a quick little prayer. You can close your eyes if you want or keep them open if you're afraid of the person next to you. And, and you can just say, Jesus, I need your help.
that's where it begins. That's, that's just the first step. Second question is this, how are you reacting? So when, when stuff is coming at you in life, whatever that is, if it's a person, if it's a situation, if it's sickness, whatever it is, how are you reacting? So what do you typically do? What are your thoughts, words, actions, emotions, choices, relationships? How are, what do you do or, how are you, or what are you tempted to do? So what do you do? Stuff is coming at you in life. It's hard. It's pushing your buttons, right? How are you tempted to react or how are you reacting? What are you doing right now? And we, we, we show this on the, on the model. Hopefully you can see that in the back, actually. I can, I can kind of see from here. It's kind of hard. But that's a, a hand. And, and as we, we need to recognize, we need to recognize how is it that we are responding? How is it that we are reacting? And the Bible's language for this, when we do that with God, when we recognize, when we recognize what we're doing with God in prayer, the Bible calls that confession. Here's what Proverbs says, the one who conceals his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. Whoever conceals his sin, and sometimes that's just concealing from ourselves because we can be self-deceived. Instead of actually thinking about how am I reacting, we just think about the difficulty coming at us. And so we excuse all the different things that we're doing. We don't think about it as sin or we hide it as sin or it's also concealing it from God. We can't really hide our sin from God, but we're not actually bringing it to him. So we're concealing it over here. The one who conceals his sin doesn't prosper. And then it says this in 1 John, we actually looked at this last week, but he says, if we say we have no sin. So if you looked at question two and you said, I'm not there, I don't have any sin. Or you look at the pressure coming at you in your life. You look at the difficulty coming at you in your life. You look at the people that are pushing your buttons. You look at the stuff that's hard. And you say, I've got no sin. We are deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. I mean, come on. We, I mean, we're deceiving ourselves if we think there's no sin in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. His word is not in us. So this begins, the, the second part says, okay, how are we reacting? And we need to recognize those things and bring them to God in confession. And this is, confession is instead of downplaying those things. So instead of, sometimes we, you know, I could talk a bunch about this, but sometimes we might say, man, I'm sorry that I wasn't, I'm sorry I wasn't that nice to you. Or I'm sorry I wasn't super honest with you. Instead of saying, I lied to you. I was a jerk to you. We kind of downplay some of the stuff. I, one time I remember somebody, this was no one here, this was several years ago, um, but they, they, I mean, it was, Sorry, I'm trying to think. How should I say this? They sinned against me very badly, okay? I'll just say that. I'll keep it broad. But they called me and they said, I, I, I'm sorry the way that went down. It's like, okay, I'll accept that because I'm very gracious like Jesus, but I don't. Uh, <laughs> but you have a lot more to say than just I'm sorry the way that went down. I mean, there was no actual confession. There was no actual, I'm sorry. It was very downplaying it. You know, I'm sorry the way that went down instead of saying, man, I, I stole from you. I lied to you. You see, oftentimes, instead of actually confessing our sins, we try to make it seem as nice as possible and color it and downplay it. Or we actually, we take it and we sort of excuse it. We put it on, we deflect away from us. 
say, well, you know, I'm sorry I did that, but, and we have different excuses, different things, you know, I was tired, or, or it's, uh, you know, I'm just having a bad day, or it's a bad time of the month for me, some guys might say, or different things like that, okay? All right. Uh, instead of doing any of that, instead of that, we're supposed to actually confess and actually say, man, here's what I did. And, and that, I'm, this is true. If I, I'm, I'm mainly talking today about us and God. This is true with other people, though, too. But we need to come to God. And instead of coloring all the excuses to God or downplaying it to God, is to act, because all that's kind of concealing it, is to come to him and say, here's what I did. Listen, many, look, the, the world talks about this a lot in different books and podcasts and blogs. Many people right now in our world are walking around with guilt and with shame. But a lot of that, a lot of that is because we don't actually practice confession. We feel stuff and then we tell ourselves it's not that bad or you shouldn't feel bad. But a lot of the reason that we feel guilt and shame is because we are actually guilty. But God has resources to deal with that, which says, bring that stuff to me. Don't hide it. Don't conceal it. Don't tell yourself you're actually fine. Bring it to me. Listen, a lot of people walk around feeling burnt out and burdened because they know that they've done certain stuff. They know they've treated people in wrong ways and they're trying as hard as they can to make up for it. So if you've ever said something like, I'll make it up to you, I'm not saying that we shouldn't ever make up things, but sometimes that comes from this heart that says, I've done wrong things and I know it and I feel bad for it. So now I'm going to try to do all this stuff. And we might feel really burdened and really just tired and weary because we're fighting so hard to actually get rid of our guilt. But what the Bible says, what God invites us to, is to be free. To be free. By actually listening to where the Holy Spirit convicts us, where the Holy Spirit says, don't you see how you're reacting? Don't you see the thoughts, the words, the emotions? Listen, listen. The Holy Spirit invites and says, listen, don't you see? Don't you see where, and, and let, me, let me say this really quick. Satan, Satan's name, one of, one, of, one of the names for Satan is Satan. And what that means is the accuser. You see, Satan wants to tell you what your sin is also. He wants to come to you and tell, that, here, look, God wants you to see your sin. And so does Satan. But there's a big difference between conviction, which is what the Holy Spirit does, and accusation, which is what the devil does. He comes to accuse, which means he wants to point this out to you and show it to you just to beat you up. He says, look at what you've done. Look how awful you are. Look how bad you are. How could you ever call yourself a Christian? How could you ever call yourself a good wife, a good mom, a good dad, a good husband, a good friend? Look at you. This is what you did. He comes to accuse. And oftentimes when Satan comes, when he accuses, and look, when I say Satan comes, I don't mean he shows up as like some red creature with a tail. I mean, he is speaking into your heart and your ears and your, and your soul, and you feel these things. Sometimes you don't hear anything, but you feel it. You feel, man, look how bad I am. Look at what I've done. How could I do this? Because he is speaking that to you and wants you to feel bad. And oftentimes what he does also is he keeps it very broad. See, Satan doesn't want to give you a real example. Satan doesn't want to come to you and say, hey, yesterday when you talked to your wife, it was really uncaring. Satan doesn't want to do that. 
Like, thanks, Satan. I really appreciate it. That's some good. So what do I do now? Like, he, he doesn't want to do that. He wants to say, you're a bad husband. And you just feel it. He wants to come to you and say, you're a, or, you're a horrible mother. All the other mothers are better than you. Get your mother game up. And, and you don't have anything to do with that, right? You don't know what to do. Because it's foggy and it's broad and it's generalized. The Holy Spirit comes and says, listen, I want to talk to you about something. And he points things out specifically. That's what conviction is. And it's kind and it's gentle because what does he actually want? He wants you to confess and bring it to him so you can experience change. You see, we need to recognize what our sin is and confess that to God, not conceal it. See, accusation from Satan actually has the fruit of you wanting to conceal it more or just feel guilt or shame or try to work it off or whatever it is. But conviction from the Holy Spirit allows you to actually be able to say, you're right, here's this thing that I did. Here's how I acted. Here's how I responded. I, I want to give that to you. I, I want to ask that you would forgive me. As First as John said, I confess. Confess just means to say it. I, I confess my sin to you. I, I responded wrong. I lied. I cheated. I stole. I was angry. I was harsh. I was impatient. I was rude. I was unloving. I was uncaring. I, I was lazy. I was whatever it is. To say that in, in this instant, here's what I did. The Holy Spirit invites you to bring that to God, which means we just need to do this. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit's conviction, slow down, and let him point that out so that we don't fight against it, excuse it, downplay We just, okay, how am I reacting? How am I tempted to react? Maybe right now there's no sin or something that you're doing per se, but you, you can use this too as just temptation. Here's how I'm tempted to react. Here's what I'm tempted toward. And what we do is we bring it to God. First John says that if we confess our sins, then he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But listen, if you, if you bring part of it to him and hold this part over here, then you'll feel cleansed from this, but you're still hanging on to this. And so there's still going to be part of you that feels dirty, that feels unclean, that feels guilty, that feels shame. And so the more that we bring to him, that we bring into the light, that we let him see, the more he's able to clean all those parts. And so let me just give you an opportunity right now to say to God, in confession, here's how I've been responding. Confess into him now. And this is the third part. What rules you? What hijacks your heart? What replaces God as the chief object of your affection and focus of attention? And maybe that helps you by thinking, what is it that I want? Fill in the blank. Or the flip side of that is, I fear. Fill in the blank. Or I functionally believe. Not the things we say we believe, but what is it that we, when we look at our life, well, here's what I actually believe or I trust. What, where are your buttons? What, where's that coming from in the heart? See, we need to not just confess the actions and the things we're doing, but the things that are actually operating in our heart to bring those to God. See, the Bible says that all of our sin comes from our heart. 
Here's what Jesus says. What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts. You have evil thoughts? It doesn't mean necessarily you're planning a murder, but you're thinking bad about people. Are you thinking bad things and, and ways that you can disobey or get back at people or all, anything that is ungodly? Out of people's hearts comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, out of our hearts and defile a person. And if we only focus on our actions, if we just say, here's what I did, I was a thief. Here's what I did, I was self-indulgent. Here's what I did, I was selfish. Here's what I did, I lied. Here's what, I, if we, here's what I'm doing, I'm thinking these bad things. If we, if we only focus on this and miss the heart, we miss what Jesus says. You see, God wants to root out not just behaviors in your life. He wants to change your heart. And when we come to him, listen, when we're facing difficulty in life and the blue arrow's coming at us and we're responding in certain ways, that's coming from somewhere. See, we can think that we're good, right? We can go through life and think, man, I'm pretty good. I trust God. I'm a pretty good Christian. I'm pretty mature. Life's going pretty well. And maybe it is when life's going pretty well. But see, what this does for us is actually really helpful. One of the reasons that God brings heat and pressure into our lives is because it exposes our hearts. If you shake us up, what comes out of us? If we're like a, a pop can, you know, and you shake that pop can and open it up and Coke starts spraying everywhere, that's what's us. See, life comes at us and shakes us up. And if Coke comes out, that's because Coke's inside there. And if Sprite comes out, that's because Sprite's inside there. And if Mountain Dew comes out, that's because you're a teenager. And that's what happens, right? Or maybe, I don't know, software developer. I think sometimes they do that too. But <clears throat> Although I gave some to my son the other day. And he was like, oh, now he's just like always asking for Mountain Dew. I was like, you need to wait a handful of years at least, dude. See, it comes from our heart. The heat exposes what's there. We can think it's pretty good. Right? You can think life's pretty good, but the heat shows us our hearts. It shows us what we really believe. It shows us what we really trust in. It shows us what we really want out of life. We can, like, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilt and shame right now, but listen, we can go through the motions, can't we? We can show up on a Sunday and praise God, and, and then when the pressure of life actually comes, it shows us what's there. It shows us, man, I actually am worshiping my career. I'm actually worshiping my family. I'm actually worshiping my, my, my wealth. I'm actually, like when stuff comes, it shows us what's actually in our hearts. And all the actions, all the stuff, Jesus says, comes from that. All the things that we do that we would put in the sin category comes from our hearts. Do you keep doing certain things that you know are wrong? And look, there's, there can be a thousand reasons for this, but do you keep doing stuff? Maybe it's because you don't actually believe that God is good. And so you feel like you need these things in your life. Do you keep wanting people's respect? You keep wanting people's approval? 
Maybe you're worried that people like you, or maybe it's not about people liking you. Maybe it's more about trying to earn kind of a reputation at work or whatever it might be, and you, you want accolades. You feel really sensitive if people don't notice your things and what you've done. Maybe it's because what you, what you really want in life isn't God, but approval. Or do you get super thrown off when plans don't go the way that you wanted them to go? Stuff comes and just, man, oh, I planned to do this, and now I'm totally thrown off, and I was going to do this, and now my, you know, my work is changing where I'm supposed to be or where I'm supposed to go, or this travel date is changing, or this, and you get really thrown off when the plans that you've made don't work, and you feel like, man, why, should, why am I even planning? Nothing even works out. Well, maybe it's because what you really trust in, what you really believe in is your own control of your world. See, there's a lot of things we could walk through, but, but what's the heart stuff? What's the stuff that you say, I really want this out of life? Here's what I really am trusting in life. You see, another place in the Bible says this, talks about our hearts. It says, watch out, brothers and sisters. Listen, watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. An unbelieving heart doesn't just mean that you don't believe in general, it means that you don't believe who God is. God says he's in control. Do you really believe that? God says that he is gracious. Do you really believe that? God, God says that he approves of you if you're in Jesus. Do you really believe that? God says that he is good. Do you really believe that or do you feel like you need these things in life? God says he is the God of all comfort. Do you really believe that? Or is all your money going here because you really think this is comfort? God says that he is your refuge. Do you really believe that? Or are you fighting so hard to have security and safety and stability over here? See, an unbelieving heart, an unbelieving, it means we say, he says, brothers and sisters, means we say, I believe in God. I believe who he is. And we would get it right on the test. Does God love you? Yep. Is God in control? Yep. Like we'll get 100% on the God test. But functionally, there can be an unbelieving heart in us that actually causes us to walk away from God that leads us to sin. See, when the stuff is coming at you in your life, instead of just saying what's coming at me or instead of saying how am I responding, we also need to say what is it that this is showing about what I really believe? This can be hard. I'm not saying this is easy to allow God to kind of peel back the layers and, and look in. You know, if you think about a house and you go, man, I, I, you know, I, I want to make some changes. I want to put a new coat of paint on and, you know, maybe I've got some squeaky floors. And I want to fix those a little bit. And, and we might look at our life as a house and go, yeah, you know, I, I got some changes I want to make. I got some things I want to tweak. Yeah, I'm not, I, nobody's perfect. But... God says, yeah, but you know, you know where all these problems are coming from is the foundation is falling apart. Or maybe you got asbestos in your walls. Or maybe you got a dead cat in your house that's like stinking up the entire place and molding and creating flies and insects. And, and then because of that, spiders are coming and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it's gross, right? <laughs> and and, it, and what that means is it's a lot deeper than just saying, I want to deal with, I want to paint the walls. So that can be painful. Like if you, if you guys, you know, you own a home, that gets expensive when you start talking about foundation issues and asbestos and dead cats. That's a lot more expensive than painting your wall. So it can be painful to do this. But God is saying, look, I want, I want to actually free you. 
I don't want to just kind of stop you from sinning. I want to free you. I want your heart to be different. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to heal you. I'm a home inspector that comes and tells you all these issues and it's like, this is going to be $100,000, isn't trying to hurt you. It's trying to help you. God wants our hearts exposed so he can bring healing. And so why don't you just take an opportunity even now? What, what is there? What's the unbelief? What is it that you actually want? What is your heart saying? Just confess that to God. Just share your heart with him. The next question to think about is this. What are the consequences and ripple effects? How do your reactions, the things that you do that are coming from that place in your heart, what are the consequences and ripple effects? How do your reactions affect your relationships, your work life, your mood, your finances, your situation, your health? How How does it hurt you? How does it actually bring damage into your life? And and what we want to do here is to then renounce those things and to realize, man, these are bad. I thought these were good, but I want to actually turn away from these things. I, I, I thought that I believed this. I thought I wanted this. I thought this is what was most important. I want to turn away from that. I want to actually see the damaging effects to see how it's weak. Here, here's some of the ways the Bible talks about this. In Psalm, he prays, turn my eyes. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. There's things that we want in life. There's things that we prize in life. Turn my eyes from looking at what is worthless and give me life in your ways. Or for those things that we trust as gods in our lives, as idols in our lives. We believe this will bring happiness. This will actually be the source of our security and control and and love and approval. and Whatever that is, the Bible tears down those idols and shows you they're not going to actually help you. Jeremiah says this, can any of the worthless idols of the nations bring rain? Look, you, you worship these idols, but can they cause rain? Can the skies alone give showers? Are you not the Lord our God? We therefore put our hope in you, for you have done all these things. See, a lot of what the Bible wants to help you see is that the things that we put our trust in, the things that we put our hope in, they don't actually work. They fail us. We put our hope in our plans, but they fail us. And then we get mad and think we just need a better plan. We put our hope in our vacation or our entertainment or our leisure and then we come back and we're more burnt out and we're more tired and we're like, that that didn't give me what I wanted it to. See, so many times, whatever these things are, our money, our work, our relationships, our, our, our security, they don't actually provide us what we think they're going to. And instead of just trying harder and harder and harder and harder, We need to actually be able to turn away from them and see this will never be the kind of God I want it to be. Sometimes this is really true in relationships, and this can be parent-child, or it can be be husband-wife. It can even be friendships. A lot of times people put way too much expectations on the other person. They want that person to be the one that is able to be everything to me. We even use that language romantically to say, you're my everything, you're my world, you're my, and we can say it romantically, or even with our kids, my kids are my world. And then when our kids fail us or when our spouse fails us, we go, what? Well, maybe I need a new spouse or a new kid or I need a better one. They just need some education or something. But the problem is we're actually 
we need to renounce that as our God. We need to renounce that as a God that fulfills us and turn away from it. See, God doesn't just want you to stop sinning. He wants to free you from the things that are keeping you in bondage. He wants to expose the lies so you see what's actually happening. So even now, just say a quick prayer to God and say, God, I don't want these things to rule me. Show me how these actually damage me. Show me the lies that these things, show me how these things are way worse than I actually believe. Show me how my beliefs or what I put my trust and my hope in is nothing compared to you. And we move from that to then this question, who is God relevant to this struggle? What does he say? What does he promise? What does he do? His person, words, and actions intend to enter, address, and change how you see your situation, how you react, and the reasons for your reactions. God wants to enter in. He wants you to see who he is relevant to your struggle. Not just who he is in general. God's the creator of the universe. Maybe that's what you need to know. But he wants you to see who he is relevant to the struggles, the heat, the pressure that you are going through. See, we miss this all the time because instead of moving from here to here, a lot of times when we're feeling the heat of our life, we just say, God, help me. Or we might even say, God, make me a different kind of person. Or God, give me peace. A lot of times when the heat, the pressure, the stuff that's pushing your buttons is coming at you, we really just stay kind of focused on this and this. But God wants you to see who he is. He wants you to move from your heart being set on these things to your heart being set on him because he knows that what's coming at you in life is hard. He knows that what is coming at you in life is hard and that you cannot handle it by yourself. He knows that even just changing your behaviors isn't what's going to fix things. He knows that we need heart surgery. He knows that we need to actually see who he is and listen, what God wants for us in the middle of the pressures and the difficulty that we are facing in the middle of the things that we're tempted to, in the middle of the sins that we have, what God wants for us is to come to him. Not just to stop sinning. He wants us to come to him and know him and see him and enjoy him. Look how, look how Joel says it here. Even now, this is the Lord's declaration. Look, even now, even now, this is the Lord's declaration. Turn to me with all your heart. Turn to me with all your heart. Not just turn away from your sin. The way that we turn away from our sin isn't by turning away from our sin. It's by turning to him. Turn to me with all your heart. With fasting, weeping, and mourning. Turn, tear your hearts. Not just your clothes. That means don't just change the behaviors. Tear your hearts, not just your clothes. And return to the Lord your God. Return to him, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and relents from sending disaster. See, God doesn't just want you to stop sinning. That's not God's goal in your life. God doesn't say, man, here's my big goal for you. Stop sinning. That's not what his goal is. His goal is for you to turn away from this so that you can turn to him and know him. As loving, as gracious, as compassionate, he wants you to live in his reality. If God is a good father, he wants you to live your life knowing that. 
not doubting that. If God is actually in control of the world, he wants you to live your life with that deep security knowing that. If God is better than all the different forms of happiness that we could have, he wants you to turn from pursuing those and live in reality with a God that is filled with love and joy for you. See, God wants us not just to turn from our sin, but to turn to him and to see him. That's how we change. Here's what 1 John says, Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be, the person you will be one day if you're a Christian, the perfect person, what we will be has not yet been revealed. We're not there yet. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. It says one day you will be who you were meant to be. One day you will be like Jesus because you will see him perfectly, face to face. You will see, because you will see him perfectly, you will become who you are called to be perfectly. Which means that the way that we change today, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. See, today, the way that you change, today, the way that you become more like him and have your heart reoriented is as you see him for who he is. Instead of unbelief in our hearts, we see him as good, as loving, as approving, as in control, as gracious, as compassionate. And his call to us is not just stop sinning. It's come to me. Live in the reality that I create with who I am. So let me ask you even now just to pray this to him. What's a truth about God that you need to know and believe deeper? Who is God relevant to your situation? Who is God relevant to the stuff coming at you and the ways that you're reacting and the heart? Who is he? Pray, just tell him, God, here's who you are. And then finally is this question. Respond constructively into your situation. Speak, act, do, don't do, choose. How will you show intelligent love for others? The opposite of every sin. So the stuff that's coming at you in life, how will you now respond differently? We call this restore because it means that things actually change. Instead of being broken, instead of being sinful, things are different now that you actually obey. There's obedience that takes place now in your life. And we, we shouldn't try to rush this. Sometimes this is coming at us and we go, man, I did this, so now I'm going to do this. But then the heart is never actually changed, so the roots are never actually changed, so the issues are never actually fixed. And we just stay in a cycle, bouncing back and forth. But we need to see What's the stuff coming at us? How are we responding? Where's that coming from? Who is God? And now what does it look like for me to actually obey? What does it look like for me to respond constructively into my situation? I, I love how Ephesians shows this. L look at how it kind of paints this back and forth. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your angry, on your anger, and don't, or you're angry. That kind of works too. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. So here's what it says. Instead of bitterness in your heart, be angry and don't sin. Look at the things against you that are wrong. Look at the injustices. Look at what is bad, but don't sin. 
Don't allow bitterness to fill in your heart. Don't allow, don't allow a sleepless night filled with rage. See, there's a change from I'm bitter and I can't even sleep and I've got broken relationships and I'm actually giving Satan opportunity to now there's an anger without sin. Or here, let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he's to do honest work with his own hands. So he has something to share with anyone in need. So it's saying, don't steal anymore. But it's not just saying, don't steal. It's saying, don't steal. Be generous. Share. See, that's love. It's not just a call to stop your disobedience. It's a call to actually live a life of love. It's a call to say, look, I, I'm not, I don't just want to give you a list of things not to do. Don't be bitter. Don't steal. I want you to be enjoying a life of love. A life where you're actually a generous person. A life where you see what's wrong and, and can see that correctly. A life where, here, look at this, no foul language should come from your mouth, but only what's good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't read foul language as cussing. That lets yourself off, to the, hook, off the hook. See, foul language is anything that's the opposite of this, which is something where we're tearing people down. It's something when we're, when we're talking about people in a way that isn't good, that isn't helpful. Instead, and he doesn't just say, clean up your dirty little mouth. I'm going to wash it out with soap. He says, I want you to have words that actually build people up. I want you to have words that build people up. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. So let all bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting, slander be removed from you along with all malice. Man, that's just really digging into this relational stuff. And instead of that, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God forgave you. See, he's not just saying stop doing these things. He's saying there is a life of love that you can have. There's broken relationships that can be reconciled. There's things that, that there can be restitution in. Things that the thief is stolen, he can now be generous in. There's habits and ways of talking and feeling that need to be reoriented so that you're actually a compassionate person now and a kind person now. God doesn't just want you to stop your sin. He wants a life of love for you. He wants you to be transformed. Look, one of the greatest examples of this in the last week is Mr. Kanye West. And I don't know if you know anything about this, but he just dropped a new album called Jesus is King, which is, look, Kanye has so many songs that are like, I mean, he has songs that are literally titled, I'm a God. And now has, and didn't just say, I repent, I will stop making music, but has said, Jesus is King, and I'm going to sing to actually proclaim who he is. You see, our life is not just to be one that's an absence of sin. It's a life of love. And that's what God wants for us, is to invite us and to call us into not just stopping, but something better, transformation. Last question is this, just what are the consequences of that? How do God and faith and love create ripple effects in our relationships, our work life, our mood, our finances, our situations, our health? See, what if we actually do this? What happens? What if we took all the different issues that we're facing and engaged with God instead of just the heat and the pressure coming at us and we ignore, we feel, we plan. What if that stuff comes at us and we actually engage with God? 
So let me give you just one last opportunity to pray and ask God to help you now, to act differently into your situation. Maybe you need wisdom. What does that look like? Ask him to give you wisdom. Maybe you just need strength. Maybe you need, maybe you know the specifics and you can just tell him, God, I need help to do this thing of love, to change in this way. Here's the, here's the next thing. is just when do we do all this? When do we repent? Well, when do you sin? And when is difficulty coming at you? When, when is life hard? When are you faced with difficulty? That's when we repent. I, I love how this verse says it, which is, I acknowledge my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. That's what we've been talking about. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin, Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. When great floodwaters come, the heat of life coming at you, they will not reach him. Let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. Now look, that's part of why I just wanted to do this even while we were right here is as these things are coming up to pray about it right now immediately. But listen, what this means is when you're living your life and the heat is coming at you, the big blue arrow is coming at you immediately. You can do the process that we just described in a minute. And you can just say, God, this heat's coming at me. I need your help. I know I'm tempted to react like this, and that's coming from my heart that, that really values my own respect. God, help me to remember that you have approved of me and you love me. I don't need other people's respect, so now help me to love this person and be patient with this person. You can do that in a minute. And that is what intelligent prayer looks like when the heat and the pressure is coming at you. It's to pray immediately, but not just help me, give me peace, but to actually engage in that process. But listen, you can also do that in an hour. And we need to. We need to do it immediately on the spot, but we also need to look at our lives. Those questions, those, if you go to our next step page, you can go to sermon resources and, and there's a link that'll take you to those questions. And I would encourage every one of you Go home and look at those questions and journal out. What's the stuff in my life, the heat that's coming at me? And take a couple hours and walk through this and think about it. So you've got some resources that help you when you're in those one-minute situations. You can take a couple hours to this. You can take 30 minutes to do it. We've, we've got these little books on the table out here. I don't know if you've seen these. Maybe you thought they cost money. They do. They're $100 each, and you can just leave a bill uh, there. Not really, they're free. But you can take those and they can help you with various issues that in your life. They'll basically walk you through that process. So when do you do this? Man, you do it in quick snapshots. You do it looking at your whole life and saying, God, I want you. And you do it in little, little issue-based things. Martin Luther, the great reformer, started really the Protestant Reformation with saying this sentence, all of life is repentance. All of life is repentance because all of life has difficulty and heat that is coming at us and we can engage with God in it and through that become different and actually change. We know how to face the difficulty in the moment and our lives begin, become different because our hearts become different. And I'm gonna close with this really quick. Why do we repent? 
here's what Psalm says. How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. So why do we do this? Why do we repent? Not just so there's no more sin in our life. Not just, not so we're better people, but because there's a deeper joy that gets created. You see, there's joy in your life that maybe you don't have now because you're actually hanging on to sin. There's joy in your life right now that, that maybe, that, that is available to you. There's joy in your life available to you that maybe you don't have right now because life is hard and difficulty is coming at you and you're dealing with it instead of actually engaging with God. God wants, God wants to bring freedom. He wants to bring change. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring deliverance. He wants to call you to himself and have you experience actually life with him so that there's deep joy. There's deep joy that you actually feel in knowing I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I have a good God and my heart is actually believing more who he is. When we come and take communion, that's what we remember, that Jesus' blood was shed and his body was broken so that we can bring all of this to him and not be condemned, but experience joy from a Savior that says, I take all that sin and I forgive it because I died for it. I take all that sin and I give you my righteousness. I take all that sin and I want you. That's what we remember. 